Oh, I edit so I could randomly talk between stuff. That was very well done. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris and me graham jones this is the podcast where we argue about our top three list of a topic that nobody asked us to talk about and this week we are figuring out our top three characters they recast and hoped we wouldn't notice so that's a that that's a really weird concept don't you don't don't, don't you think ian like because I, I work in marketing and if you if if you change something like at the, at the last minute especially if you're doing a brief for a client and they they kind of want something and you just kind of mix it up like that they, they, they would notice like do, do do you think that i don't know companies think we're idiots to not notice that they just they just flip flip people out willy-nilly well i mean i think so and i and, and then there's also there's there's changing things and mixing things up. And then there's not having the decency to tell people that you've changed things without kind of telling them, right? It's like, mm. I think a lot of the choices we're doing, obviously, like, was kind of mentioned in press stuff, but it's generally, like, swept under the carpet. <laughs> and just suddenly yeah. in a new episode or a, a new film, a completely new fresh face rocks up. Usually, and sometimes, a more attractive face. Yeah, or just, or just, I don't know. Like, what, what, well, one of my choices. I, I won't go into it. I, I think what really drew me to it was the air of mystery why this person all of a sudden was changed. Uh, more so than other. The other ones you can get some concrete details or at least some conflicting stories. Whereas there is one of them, and we can speculate. I love to speculate about things. Do you know what I mean? I, I sometimes speculate on the stocks. I sometimes speculate whether Watford are going to win a game or. I sometimes speculate um, about about marketing or, or, or my views on Boris Johnson. I, I mentioned on last episode, like having ha- having his book on Winston Churchill. And I, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I'm in two minds. Do I love Do I love the guy or, or or do I detest him? And I'm, yeah, I I don't like him, but I do have a signed book with my name in it by him. I mean, there's got to be something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I could claim it's for another Graham, but. Um, the only other Grahams I know is spelt differently. Do you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an M guy. I'm not, I'm not an E guy. So uh, oh, that's that is your motto. That's what you always. That- <laughs> that's the one thing I know about you, Graham, <laughs> is that you're not an E guy. I'm not an E guy. I'm an M guy. An M guy. So, like I said, so the the idea of this episode is so characters who have been played by someone in either a TV show or a film, and then in later episodes or movies are suddenly played by other people. So in preparation for this, I thought I would come up, I would I looked into roles that were nearly played by other people. Mm. So have some interesting ones of these for us to talk through. They kind of fluctuate between, like, came very, very close to being it, and I think... Others where the director just mentioned their name in a meeting once. Yes. And that was kind of it. But some of these are absolutely insane. So we could have lived in a world where Al Pacino played Han Solo. I feel like this is very much the case with Al Pacino at that time had right to refusal on every project. Because you... (laughs) (laughs) Just... Have you checked with Al? Have you checked if Al... Yeah, like, like how now we have Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like... 
Leonardo DiCaprio passed on this. It's like, yeah, he just seems like the 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 king of Hollywood, and they have to they have to defer to him first to be like this role in Babylon. Do you fancy it? He's like, ah, give it, give it to Brad. Brad's a pal. Like he'll take it. He seems to be like the go to guy. Just 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 Brad, Brad number two on everyone's <laughs> yeah, yeah, speed yeah. dial. It's like, uh... but I could I I could have seen Han Solo as Al Pacino. Like it's uh, it would involve a lot more hoo-ahs in space. I would have been great, right? Imagine. <laughs> Hooah! I love you. Hooah! <laughs> all those other, all of those other uh, famous iconic Han Solo lines. Uh, is it just the "I know you" meme that I send to everyone? Princess Leia, she's got a great ass. Ah, <laughs> uh, but who, who who knows? Maybe if he was in uh, Star Wars, he wouldn't have been in Jack and Jill. So swing. Who knows how weird the uh, the post Al Pacino Star Wars world would have been? Russell Crowe was nearly Aragorn. That is that is fascinating. The, the, well, because Aragorn that that is one that could have tentatively been in this, right? Because there was there was an actor cast. Was it like Shalise Ferron's husband, who, who who has no name of his own? So it was Stuart Townsend. There we go. So Stuart Townsend. And this this shows how his career has been, that you could use the phrase most famously known for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and um, the Queen of the Damned, so the awful Oof. interview with the vampire sequel. But apparently, Russell Crowe... So Stuart Townsend turned up to set, so he had like a week on set, and then I think he realised he was too young for it. And everyone else realised he wasn't taking it seriously. So I think it was kind of like a mutual parting of ways. And then Vigo Mortensen rocked up being Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, he came in like Strider, do you know what I mean? Darkened cloak and everyone's like, who's this guy? Uh, yeah. And, and another funny one for that. And I know that uh, Petros and Daryl with their Cage Podcast. Cage Podcast. What, what is that? What is that? What is it? Cage Podcast. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! We'll we'll appreciate this. Nicholas Cage was was in talkings to play uh, Aragorn and turned it down because he yes. wanted to spend time with his family and um yeah, not not to be in New Zealand for three plus years filming those movies. Yeah, I mean there were a load of so there's a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen connection as well, because Sean Connery turned down Gandalf because he didn't understand the script, and then got a script that he didn't understand after that, so accepted it anyway, which was then a film so bad he retired. <laughs> yeah, do you think that was a case of him going like, oh, me, me, I can't do a Sean Connery uh, impression? Um, you tried. Like maybe you just thought I'm out of touch with what what is hip. I made the mistake. Like I've I've seen this go gangbusters. Do you know what I mean the third one's got an Oscar? He's like, oh, yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'll do it. And then all of a sudden it's like I'm fucked. You shall not pass. <laughs> it's uh yeah. So that was well. Um, you had similar with similar, but with a better payoff. Uh, Robert De Niro turned down Captain Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean Whoa. because nobody's going to watch a fucking pirate movie. So then when he got offered another pirate, he took it, which is why he's in Stardust. 
which I I was going to say secretly, but I'm very open about how much I love Stardust. It is such a good fucking fun film. It's 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 one I've never seen, but um, a friend of mine, Matt Brothers, was uh, a PA on that film. Oh and wow! He said like, "What a nice man, Robert De Niro was," and he remembers like he would just be like sat in the like ship set reading his script and that between takes and he was too terrified to to, to ever to ever to ever approach him and he like what one of the one of the lasting stories he told me about that that set was um he remembers at one point his job was to hold a door closed so in order for a take not to be ruined because the door was very squeaky that was like there you go you're a runner uh, have a go on this. Yeah, you've made it, mate. You've made it. <laughs> so yeah, Russell Russell Crowe's Aragorn. To make that worse, uh, he was offered a percentage of profits. Oh, this is this is the Matt Damon effect yes. as well, right? Is this is this on the list? Yeah, Matt Matt Damon was offered Avatar and played some hardball, and he's like, well when we do these Bourne movies, we kind of shoot the movie and then we have to do reshoots because we kind of like, we figure it out. We figure it out once we've shot the film and like make it make sense with the reshoots. And he said, do you know what? I can't commit. No, no, no. James Cameron's like, here's the block of time. We can do this. We can make this work. We like, we're doing these dates. We'll, We'll make this work. No, 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 I can't do it. And they got to a point where it's like, we will give you a, we'll give you like 10% or something on the back end it would have worked out to something like 250 million dollars which is in so like that is the biggest imagine imagine what I, I guess obviously he would have never have known that from the get-go yeah. do you know what I mean it's like these blue people fucking in space how is he gonna know that like gangbusters it's gonna be the biggest biggest franchise of all time but like i don't know like what what do we <laughs> Do we really? Do we miss out on anything from that day? Could it? Could he have been? Could he have been fucking around with James Cameron for fourteen years? Probably. Well, that's the that's the secret, isn't it? <laughs> Anyone could have done that. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I think Russell Crowe was offered ten percent. So there's a Howard Stern interview with him, where I think Howard Stern goes. So I figured out how much he would have been paid, and Russell Crowe was like, "I don't want to know." Oh. That's ma- that's maths that I don't need to figure out myself. Oh, no, thank uh, you. Who knows? Maybe he could have owned two rugby league teams. To go into the world of TV, uh, Matt LeBlanc was offered Phil Dumphy from um, Modern Family. Okay, okay. Oh, oh. So would have gone from a 10, 10 series sitcom to a uh, 11 series sitcom. <laughs> but he, he, he turned it down thinking something along the lines of uh, didn't think he could... Uh, didn't think he was right for the role, but could have been interesting. Uh, Madonna has turned down a fair few. So Madonna uh, was originally considered for Catwoman in Batman Returns. The, I'm glad that didn't happen because Michelle Pfeiffer is perfect in that film and kind of, a. I, I, I think I speak for many of people, a sexual awakening for many a young boy. Yeah, 100%. And like we wouldn't have had that uh, behind-the-scenes footage that goes around all the time of her whipping the... Uh, mannequin's heads off yeah and i often i often think about that and i'm visioning my mind's eye a little 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 peek behind the curtain into graham's mind's eye here again another 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 peek behind, behind the curtain, curtain. In behind the curtain, behind the curtain. again what's there is i 
I just I just, I just picture my instead of instead of those mannequin heads, I picture my my little my little white bottom being whipped by that whip, and it it fills me with utter joy and delight. And you know what? A semi. When I, when I, even when I think about it, just a respectful semi. Yeah, respectful. Because more than that would feel disrespectful. Oh, of course, of course. To my, to, to, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to my, we aren't to my, pa- to my partner. Do you know what I mean? But I, I've got to, I've got, I've got to speak my truth. And I think, I think na- now than ever, I need to speak my truth to you. So, sp- speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of semis and Madonna, uh, Madonna also turned down, I believe, turned down the lead in a film called Showgirls. Oh boy! So it was nearly her rather than um, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. I am so glad that she's not in it because uh, Showgirls is a trash masterpiece, and I say that with no, no, no irony whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of, of Showgirls. Well, well, as as you know, as Graham, um, I didn't, I didn't get on with it the first time, but then it has grown on me. The well, more, and I haven't even rewatched it. Well, it's, like it's just grown on me. Just like it's just like a sitting in the back of my head just going like you know what this was incredible this was this was an incredible use of time i really understand why you didn't appreciate the first time because where the blood should be in your brain thinking about how great this was <laughs> it was just pumping into your cock where you were just so aroused by uh, elizabeth berkeley's performance having sex with Carl McLaughlin in the pool. Surely that was it. Oh, fucking, yeah, flailing around like she was a fish on the fucking land. Yeah, like a, like a, like a, like a dolphin having a seizure. It's such a... It is the unsexiest sexy film. Mm. Like, the whole, like, the whole, like, even, like, the, the pole dancing stuff, you're watching it at the only... Because you should be watching a film like that, thinking, hey... Titillated. This is this... I am... I am positively titillated but you're sitting there going why are you licking that pole <laughs> this isn't this isn't hygienic yeah. elizabeth berkeley slash madonna there's you know, i've seen the scores on the doors and it's it's a, it's a one and a half star establishment at, at best <laughs> oh yeah there is nothing sterilized there nothing from from top to bottom of that establishment like you will you you nearly caught diseases watching the film, I, let alone if it was real and stuff was going on. I think the only thing sterilised in that whole place is Robert Darvey's testicles from all the ciggies he's smoking. <laughs> probably, probably. But I, I think Madonna, as a trash masterpiece, as you put it, you can't change anything changed will either make it worse or better and get it out of that sweet spot, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's... I don't want to say perfect because that is not the right phrase, but it's good as it is. Um, Christina Applegate was nearly L in Legally Blonde. Again, again, like you obviously look at these things in hindsight. That's Reese Witherspoon is is great in that. She's kind of got the hmm. the track record of of playing these like prissy characters or whatever, and she's kind of yeah, election and stuff like that, and like moving forward. It's like, it, it just works perfectly, and I know that. Is, are we getting? Are we getting? Are we getting a third of of, of legally blonde? I know it's, it's it's often touted, but yeah, technically, technically fourth. I think. Oh. I think there's one without a. Oof. But incredible musical, if people care about that stuff. Who know? The legally blonde musical is amazing. Well, yeah, you you know, you know my favorite musical is 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 Rocket Man because um, 
Elton John is a, is a Watford fan, as am I. Exactly. Exactly. And if there's one thing we know about you, it's one, regularly picture yourself getting whipped by Michelle Pfeiffer, and two, Watford fan. To go, to go into a John Travolta double bill, so a, a one-in, one-out double bill, so John Travolta was considered for Forrest Gump, <sighs> okay. which would have taken him away from Pulp Fiction, I think. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not... Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I am of the, I'm of the belief that, jo- like, the only reason uh, Forrest Gump was such a success at the box office was there was loads of underage kids sneaking in to see Pulp Fiction because they were released at a similar time. It's like, yeah, get a, get a ticket for Forrest Gump uh, and I'll, I'll sneak into screen two. I hundred percent believe it. <laughs> it's, it's what I would have done. Yes. So, uh, like I said, so kind of one in, one out. So Danny Zuko was nearly played by Henry Winkler. Again, that would have been terrible. Like It, it, yeah. it, it would have fit in a bit more because even back then, Henry Winkler looked like a 40-year-old man, and many of the cast of Grease look like 40-year-old men. It's hiding in plain sight with Grease, isn't it? Because none of them look like... It's like the opposite of what Dear Evan Hansen had, where they cast age-appropriate people apart from one person who just then looks ill. Yeah. That, they just just cast everyone. There's there's one guy that's like short guy with curly, curly black hair who's like one of the goofballs, who I am convinced, like, do you know what I mean? And like, I'd be surprised if he's still alive because he looked about 50 in <laughs> Greece in, in the late 70s. Just smoking in the background as well. Back to your favourite, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't I don't think, so we, we could still have had her in Batman Returns, which is obviously important, but she was in the running for Clarence Starling from Sons of the Lambs. Again, perfect casting with Jodie yeah. Foster. So It's a lot of, a lot of these are like, because again, like to like to to go back to, I can't imagine anyone else is, uh, apart from Ian McKellen as Gandalf. Like some of these, they hit the hit the nail on the head. Speaking of perfect iconic casting, obviously Arnie as the Terminator. Mm. Do you know who got considered to be the Terminator? I think it came out quite recently. Yeah, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Speaking of coming out quite recently. <laughs> But yeah, OJ is the term. Those are movie posters that would not have aged very well. well. Was this pre? Was this pre hopping in the white Bronco? Yeah, that was early nineties, yes. right? Yeah, it would have been pre. <laughs> James Cameron, if if that is the case, had had gone to the future and had seen that he is a he is a monstrous man set to kill. So it's like it would have been in a twisted way, perfect casting because. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 and possibly could have put OJ on the straight and narrow, but we'll, we'll never know. Yeah, yeah. who knows? Who knows? But I, I rewatched uh, Naked Gun the other day, and I forget that there is a whole subplot of OJ Simpson having the shit beaten out of him in that movie. It's lovely. It's lovely to see. Oh, yeah, it's great. Which it's both, it's jarring to see, but if you're going to have OJ Simpson randomly appear in a film, it's good he's getting his ass handed to him. I can, can agree more. Yeah. And then uh, the final one, which I... This is one of those ones where I think happens a lot, where they have their dream casting, but they might be busy. Mm-hmm. So they start looking at other people, and then suddenly Owen Wilson frees up his calendar and can be in Zoolander. <laughs> so they... In like the interim period where it looked like Owen Wilson might not be able to do it, they auditioned a load of people to play Hansel 
And apparently, according to Ben Stiller, everybody was shit apart from one actor who was a very young Jake Gyllenhaal. Amazing. Which I, I, that would have been an interesting, because you would assume if he got his break in Zoolander instead of Donnie Darko, he would have ended up becoming, because I think he's like a secret comedy actor that's got stuck in serious stuff. Well, yeah, if you've seen, if you've seen Ambulance, he's amazing at comedy. And I can only imagine that his remake of Roadhouse is a, is a, is some kind of dark comedy because why else would you make that remake that that Stone Cold classic with Conan McGregor? Uh, Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is Conor McGregor <sighs> gonna say I used I, I used to rape guys like you in prison? Probably. He's, he's probably said far worse in press conferences. Yeah, yeah, alleged allegedly. Um, <laughs> That yeah, is a line from I'm, Roadhouse. I must, I must stress that I'm quoting the film. This, <laughs> this was a film reference. Yeah, yeah, that was a film reference, not a, not, not, not a. Yeah, yeah. I'm. That's not going to be. A, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, Owen Wilson was very nearly in Tropic Thunder. Just slotted in. He was going to be the agent, who famously was played by Matthew again, McConaughey. Again, would have been fine, but McConaughey's yeah. McConaughey's great. Yeah, and then finally, and the one uh, I talk about a lot, I don't know how close they came to it, but Dumb and Dumber was written with Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage in mind, which is like bizarre. Like, I've I've I, I've heard uh, Petros from Caged In, Copeland Connections. Did somebody say Caged In, Coppola Connections with Petros? Francis, Roman, Sophia, Nicholas Cage, August, Jason Schwartzman, Gia, Adrian from Rocky. I, I, I just love me some Coppola's, mate. Let's talk about this in the past. That Nicholas Cage, as even with Jim Carrey, would have been great as the the Jeff Daniels role, and I, I, I think I think I agree with that because I think they would. Up until that, up until that point, they had similar careers where it's like Cage was in a lot of comedies. It's only now, in retrospect, we go, oh, do you know what I mean? He 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 was a serious guy, and then he was like an action guy. It's like no, nah, he was in a lot of like romantic comedies in the early nineties and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's I think because the. The dynamic between Nicolas Cage and Gary Oldman wouldn't have been... They're both clearly the Harry role? Yes. Yeah. So they're both that. So I think with Jim Carrey and Gary Oldman, it would have worked. With Jim Carrey and Nicolas Cage, it really would have worked. But I don't think... Don't know. Yeah. Like, there's, there's other actors you might be able to replace Jim Carrey with and team them up with... Nicholas Cage or Gary Oldman, but I feel like you have to balance balance the equation out a bit better. One one hundred percent. I think the those two guys, because Nicholas Cage around the time would have either filmed or would have had to have passed up on leaving Las Vegas, which would have been a a, a massive Ooh. snafu on his part. Um, but him and Gary Oldman, that, that'd be an intense set. I don't think like. <laughs> Yeah, just just the <laughs> plus. I want to see Nicolas Cage. Um, 
like I, I know Jeff Jeff Daniels is obviously a very respected actor. He's done a lot of serious stuff, but I will forever just picture him shitting in <laughs> after being dosed with laxatives in one of the and a, a possible future episode uh, topic uh, best toilet scenes. I, I, I'm here for that. I second that. I'm I'm the number two on best toilet scenes. Let's do it. We'll add it to the list. We'll add it to the list. So yeah, those were those were some people who were nearly in stuff. Like I said, we're going to be talking about people who were in stuff and then were not in stuff. So before we go through our top three lists, it is, uh, I believe it's time, uh, Graham, for uh, a movie recommendation nobody asked for, which now has a jingle because I spent time making a fucking jingle for this and I'm very pleased. I, I've heard it and it's, it's fantastic. So cue the jingle. I, uh, I assume you guys are here for a movie recommendation. No, thank you. Nah, I'm fine. Nah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm all right, actually. Thanks, mate. Nah, no, it's all right. It's all right. No, it's all right. I'm fine. Yeah, that's all right. Fuck off. So, my movie recommendation that nobody asked for um, may come as a surprise for many of you. I've, I've often talked about the star of this movie in a, a negative light, and... Um, I've, do you know what I've I've been doing some reflecting. I've had some big life changes. Do you know what I mean? Like, and uh, it's given me chance to really speak speak my truth as as, as I've spoken my truth on, on this episode so far. Is Wild Wild West is uh, the is is my pick because I think that Will Smith as as I've 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 talked in the past that he really made a snafu by passing up the role of Neo, but let's be honest, that role was for Keanu Reeves. Like, without that, we would have never have got the John Wick franchise. We we, 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 we would have been living in a, a darker time as, as, as humanity. But Wild Wild West, it's what's not to like. It's, it's wild. It's wild. It's the West. It's steampunk. It's produced by John Peters, who... Um, famously uh was going to be a producer on superman lives the uh, nicholas cage uh, oh film. yes yeah and insist really like giant spiders insisted on that movie to have a giant spider in it and then got his wish with wild wild west and i'll be honest I, I've, I've watched this again recently and that moment that spider comes on screen it's it's jaw-dropping stuff it really is and, and will smith done a full 180 i think he's a kind of he's a phenomenal actor do you know what i mean like if anything he is he's getting a tough deal do you know what i mean if uh if let me tell you if somebody mentioned my partner's name at an award ceremony a slap that's uh that's the that's the least i'd be doing yeah i'd i'd i'd, I'd, I'd be going buck wild wild west on their ass i'd be jim west desperado yeah. rough rough rider rough rider yeah you better you better you better, <laughs> you better you better call the sheriff because there's gonna be a bounty up on my ass with the stuff i'd be doing so yeah um yeah the the, the my movie recommendation and and yeah it, it fits into the topic as well because will smith made made the right decision by passing up on the role of neo to be in Wild Wild West, so yeah, I think it it takes a, I think a strong character to admit when they're wrong, Graham. And I I think it's nice, it's good, it's good that you're you're growing and uh, developing. 
yeah. with kind of all the all, all the changes going on. Um, so if you aren't, so, say you're distinctly mecha arachnophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're scared of giant spiders. Is there any other film you might recommend people instead? Well, yeah, because I think if you're scared of metallic spiders, the thing you will love is a blood eagle. So my my second choice is Ariaster's 2019 folk horror masterpiece, Midsummer. Um, um, we've talked about this this many a time. I, uh, personally, never, never really on the podcast, uh, Ian, but it is, it is a work of pure kind of cinematic majesty that manages to encapsulate uh, the 1972 Wicker Man, and also just I don't know, it has it has flecks of the Green Inferno, it even has flecks of the Nicolas Cage 2006 Wicker Man, but just does it in this kind of captivating way of utilizing diegetic music and uh, daylight like whoa never has daylight been so terrifying maybe apart from the shining but in, in this it is just captivatingly terrifying and every, every, oh, every time i watch it i'm just kind of shivering with fear do you know what I mean? Like, whereas, whereas, whereas when I'm getting whipped on the bum in my imagination by Michelle Pfeiffer, I have a semi. If anything, it inverts when I watch um, when, I, when I watch Midsummer. So, so it so, is the it is the anti Michelle Pfeiffer dream. It is, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just think it makes it, sense. Yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want to I don't. Yeah, I don't want to be put in a bear suit and burnt alive. That would be the, the, the last thing. Uh, that's a real. That's a real mood killer. Jumping off yeah, a I mean, cliff, you in couldn't a... feel the whip through the costume for one. Exactly, right. <laughs> and that 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 is the true horror of Midsummer. So, movie recommendations done. We're ready to ready to get rolling. Uh, and the first choice, I believe, is mine. So my my first choice, uh, and this is kind of uh, on topic with the with the zeitgeist anyway, because this involves. Now Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser. So my first uh, pick is the character of... So started off as Evelyn Carnahan and ended up as Evelyn O'Connell. The role famously played by Rachel Weisz in The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. And not so famously played by Maria Bello in The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Which I have just realised also features Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh. Which... Would not have pegged pegged that as being a film that starred two Oscar winners. It is. It is insane. I I remember being in the, the states when this film came out, and having the opportunity to watch it. And I remember distinctly saying, "No, thank you. I will not watch <laughs> the Mummy Free. I do. I do. I do not care for the recasting of Rachel Vice, who is an absolute darling in my eyes. So." Apparently, the reason Rachel Weisz isn't in it is she refused to play... According to the director, Rob Cohen, anyway, she refused to play someone with a 21-year-old son. Okay. Which feels... Okay. Like, go for it. I mean, the film did... 
How old was Rachel Vice at the time? Is she talking like this stretches credulity and what is physically let's, possible? Let's figure this out with some off-the-cuff maths. So she was born in 19... She would have been 48. So easily could have had a 21-year-old son. Oh, of course. So 48 would have put her at, yeah, late 20s. Which in, given this is set in the fucking 1900s, like, easy. That, that's an old mother, if anything. Yeah, uh, well, I had a, uh, like, um, well, yeah, f- friend of the podcast, Petrus Patsilvas, had a child when he was 27. So he, he, would, he would have... Hang on, 20, 21-year-old what, son. At 48, yeah, yeah. so... So, yeah, there's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong and about that. And if it's that. good enough for Petros, it should be fucking good enough for Rachel Weisz. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking when I rewatched the Mummy Three this uh, last year, because and like it's so the, the the main reason with or the main thing I wanted to talk about this is like the reason they hoped we wouldn't notice was by having Maria Bello, who isn't a bad like to be fair. This isn't on her, but she was clearly told to play it like she was Rachel Weiss, and that's not how this should work. Oh, no, like, not if so she'd cool. owned it and just ran with a different character, like, basically a different character, I think it would have been a lot better. But because she was forced into just being Rachel Weiss, it meant that the chemistry wasn't really there anymore. Like, the dynamic was slightly off, and it turns out that is what the mummy films kind of revolved around. Like that's where a lot of the fun I think came from was them. And yeah, it was dictating that someone just basically does an impression the whole way through. You're never going to have a good, you're not going to have a good time. No, not at all. Um, wait, so when did this film come out? So the mummy three was 2008. Um, the Mummy was 1999, The Mummy Returns 2001, then there was a fallow period, and then 2008, The Mummy. Uh, the Mummy 3. So the Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I've got to pull you up on your maths here. Yeah, she would. She's, fif- she's 53 now. I have done maths wrong. So she would have been 30, 38? Yeah, she would have been 38. I fucked up maths. That is very young to have a 21-year-old child. Yeah, that, that 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 that's seventeen. Now, uh, now that now, now now you know so, what? See, we we were going down like we we were going down a path. Do you know what? Sometimes maths fails us. Yeah, and that is absolutely fine. As as, as we have learned from this episode, it's okay to to own up to your mistakes. I, uh, Rachel, and... I apologise. I added a decade to you, which, from the sounds of it, is what the makers of this film wanted to do to you. Yeah, well, and and it would have. I get it because it does it does stretch credulity because it would have been that they, do they have it they have a son in they have a son in the first one no no so There's no son the, in the, the first son one. is in the second one where he's a little kid and then let's let let's let's see how old the because I cannot remember who played the uh, the son in the Mummy Three time to edit out some typing noises. So he was played by Luke Ford, Alex O'Connell. Luke Ford is 
Luke Ford is apparently not successful enough to have his birthday on. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wind this back to the to to, to the beginning. Uh, Luke Ford is eleven years younger than Rachel Vice. This is absolutely so. Just to, stuff. just to, just to, just to proof. So everyone can proof check me on that. Uh, Rachel Vice was nineteen, born in nineteen seventy. Luke Ford was born in nineteen eighty one. I can, I, I can understand. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, I get it. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's. I, I get why she wouldn't do it, but there were then better choices than recasting her. Right, like if she couldn't do it, have someone play her fucking sister. Have someone play another adventurer that's going around doing stuff, right? Like, there's ways mm-hmm. around it without just bringing in a Rachel Vice-like actress, which I don't think ever... Especially, yeah, I would say doesn't ever really work. Because it was, like, it, at its core, like, there was fun stuff there. There were dragons. There were yetis. It was a mummy mm-hmm. movie that wasn't an Egyptian mummy, which was kind of unique, really. Like, yes. there was a lot of stuff there, but it was just made kind of redundant because it was done with absolutely no chemistry or real sense of fun. And that kind of sucks. Well, from looking at the plot of this film as well, and aging up the sun, because I'd imagine that The Mummy Returns is set in 1933, mm. and The, the Mummy... Uh, the, the 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 mummy the um uh the mummy free is set in 1946 so it feels like they've done a little bit of like finagling with his age anyway to age him up it feels like they may have been trying to set up that character as like a rick o'connell jr to to, to carry on the franchise which is something that we see a lot with franchises these days right where it's like Let's let's let let's 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 sneak it. It's it's the uh, it's the the Indiana Jones fourification of things, right? It's yeah. The- <laughs> Suddenly, Shia LaBeouf. It's yeah, yeah like it, at the very least, it would have been yeah, like a young O'Connell TV series, right? Like that there, there was there were clear. It's the Jeremy Renner in of the Bourne stuff of crowbarring in a character and then just running with him randomly, but. Yeah, it was... I don't... I think The Mummy 3 also suffers from... Like, it's not bad. Mm. It's just kind of forgettable. Like I said, I, I rewatched it last year because we'd watched The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, and I can't really remember a lot of it. But then The Mummy <laughs> and The Mummy Returns are just like... They're, they're iconic. They're just like... And The Mummy Returns isn't good either. It's just... But because it's fun... And they're clearly having a lot of fun doing it as well. You can forgive it that all of the shitness, like the I, the, I the rock one, CGI. Well, yeah, you can forgive the film for that. That is groundbreaking stuff for two thousand and two, right? That's uh, that's absolutely groundbreaking CGI, right? Was it? <laughs> it's it 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 wasn't it wasn't not ahead of its time but i i i'm i, I i'm joshing with you of I, course I, I, it's, it's the worst thing ever it's a terrible it's, cgi it is but i just don't want to insult the rock because he as a as a man he terrifies me uh but yeah like it's just the mummy three answers the question yeah 
what if everyone hated making the mummy? Oof. Right? Like, and yeah, it's just a shame because the cast was great. Like everyone else in the, well, even Maria Bello is, it, she's a talented actor. Like it, it's not, she's not shit. Like that's not the reason it was bad. <laughs> but like, again, Michelle Yeoh, Jet Li, Brendan Fraser. Like uh, the, the John Hanna, or as everyone else refers to him as, the brother from the mummy. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> there was there was the building blocks of something good, and I think someone involved didn't realise just kind of the the energy that the Rachel Vice Brendan Fraser dynamic had. And Omid Dajili in the first one, fantastic. Yeah. Um, that 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 scene is the Beatles scene. Yeah, is it's embedded in my brain. And then there's also the actor in it who. I know he isn't, but whenever I think of the mummy, I just imagine it as Steve Buscemi. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He is a Steve Buscemi esque. But yeah, first choice then, Rachel, not Rachel Vice. No, Rachel Bad Advice. <laughs> nice. So my first choice. Speaking of that trip I took to America, this film came out at the same time, a uh, similar time. Uh. It would have been two thousand eight. The Dark Knight, starring Christian Bale, obviously directed by Christopher Nolan. But what we're here to talk about is the sudden change of the character of Rachel Dawes, who was played in Batman Begins by Katie Holmes. And then all of a sudden, on our screen, we have Maggie Gyllenhaal, which I wasn't sure how to approach this, my top three. of How, how do I do it? Do I do it of like... Just go with my gut, what I feel to, to rank them as a free, or is it like, what is the most, like, what kind of left the biggest impact on me uh, with this one? So, like, I think, I think this one, and I think there's an air of mystery. This is the, the thing I alluded to earlier in the conversation, which was there is no real concrete reason. She says scheduling conflicts. That's the. That's the diplomatic answer, isn't it? <laughs> There's no project that kind of coincides with it. And I can only surmise that it has something to do with Tom Cruise. I... So I'm fairly sure if I say the word that I think is to blame, or would assume is to blame for this, that would send off a red flag in Scientology headquarters. Not that I'm saying it's Scientology, but I'm assuming they have something that runs and registers when people mention their name. So, not that it's Scientology. I'm not saying it's Scientology, but I'm saying, hypothetically, it might have been something to do with the organisation her husband was involved with and try to get her into. Yes. Yeah. And maybe... Maybe being in like a cynical franchise about like it's quite doom laden and very very seems like very anti religious as a whole and kind of like do you know what I mean there there is an underlying thing of like there's evilness in corporate structures. It feels like this would be the type of thing that uh that uh yeah uh a company a cult posing as a religion would be dead against and it, 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 it and it feels like maybe if she had gone forward with the next film her star would have rose even more not making her kind of subservient and like maybe i don't know 
maybe there were powers at play, shady hand deals. Not that I'm a kind of tin hat wearing, uh, card carrying member of the conspiracy theory, uh, Illuminati believers, but this is very kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it smells a bit off with this that there is there is no kind of concrete evidence as to why she moved on for this project yeah it's it's a shame she has gone on record to say oh, i'd love to work with chris nolan again like yeah it was really great and it, and maggie gyllenhaal I, I will admit is great oh yeah in the dark night kind of perfectly slots in and a real class act as well she actually reached out to katie holmes and said like do you mind if i take this role which like I don't think a lot of people would have made the common courtesy to do so for for their fellow actors. So the the fact that she did that really shows that she's a class act. Yeah, it, it's it is a weird one, but also it's it was very well done because it's not it's not a jarring recast in the slightest. Mm. Like the only jarring yeah. thing is, um, I think the first time I watched it, like. I hadn't watched like Batman Begins immediately before or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think for a, for a moment I just thought it was a new character. <laughs> but yes. like Rachel Dawes unfortunately doesn't bite she's not an interesting character. Yes. Yeah, and I, like, I feel like she would have if it was the same actress over two films she would have had a two film arc. Yeah. Whereas because the actor is changed out halfway through, it's like you get half of a two, yeah, of a character arc because you're getting two two different people's interpretation of it. Which, like, and, and I, I guess you would imagine that Christopher Nolan's plans for a third one would have incorporated the Joker in some yeah. some capacity, and it, it's brilliant that they obviously pivoted. But something else, which I imagine why there was such a gap between those films, and obviously Christopher Nolan cashing in his kind of "I've done the film for you, let me do one for me, please." Like uh, before he did, yeah, he did Inception between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, the Joker is one they could have recast. Like you said, I'm very, very glad they didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did think, yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal was very good. She was very good. Fuck, I love The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's It's the boring boring thing to say, isn't it? It's a great fucking film. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's superhero heat. What what more do you want? Yeah, exactly. Apart apart from uh, the original actress back. Yeah, well, yeah, that or Maggie Gyllenhaal to have gone back in time and been Rachel Dawes from the start. (laughs) <laughs> so do you, do you think just 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 to play pure speculative uh history here do you think the arc would have ended the same way if it was the same character like the same actress the whole way through I would I would I I would think so because that 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 feels like a kind of the one person that Bruce has got a connection with yeah. is the person who dies do you know what I mean like kind of has an emotional impact and would have had even more of an emotional impact if it were played by the same actor throughout both, I believe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get you. Yeah. You kind of, 
you've almost got to invest in that character again in the second one because I don't know, we're all smooth brained and can't kind of do you know what I mean? Like it is jarring for an actor to be changed. Yeah, this is the same but different. Yeah. And it's like, oh I've, I've kind of got a I don't know, get into the groove of how Maggie Gyllenhaal is playing her as opposed to the, the role that that I that had been established for us in Batman Begins with Kevin yeah. Holmes. But you also sometimes get when it's uh when it's a side character that's recast. I think sometimes you have the assumption that the character's not going to matter. Yeah, you get what I mean. So you let yourself not give a shit. Yeah, like if it's if it was if it was Christian Bale, like moving on, and we kind of got a retread of the nineties, then you would have had to have invested. Invested, and yeah. I imagine they would have had to have done a bit more legwork to kind of reintroduce the character. Whereas there were so many moving parts in the Dark Knight that. Rachel Dawes probably gets a little bit of short shrift anyway, and they're 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 hoping that you're just really got the suspension of disbelief, and you're like, oh, hold on to those things you know about her from the first film. Like we've we've got no time to kind of reintroduce this character in a meaningful way yeah. and kind of get you used to the new actor she, playing. She her. was definitely a well-rounded character. Her personality was that she knew Bruce. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a shame i I do think uh yeah i I do think katie in a lot of ways katie holmes deserved better 100 percent. next choice and in uh kind of like a companion piece to your choice we are we are staying in at least a world of batman so this is something i found out why well not found out this is something that was clarified for me while researching for this episode so first of all there are a couple of assumptions we have to make before we go into this yes so there is a working and provable theory mm-hmm. that and speaking of recasting a batman that batman forever is a direct continuation of the burton films yeah it is right yeah. it is is yeah so alfred's the same gordon's the same like it is it is a lighter toned but is a direct sequel to batman mm-hmm. and batman returns obviously batman forever the villains are the riddler which is a very different take than the the, uh, the more recent version of it and uh dark knight's own two-face so mm-hmm. there's no real Harvey Dent backstory in Batman Forever, really. We dive straight in to Tommy Lee Jones in, like, a comically bright pink suit. And he is basically a cartoon character. And <laughs> that's kind of the the vibe it went. Like, again, Batman Forever, I don't think but Batman and Robin is bad. Batman Forever, I think, has... It has some things... <laughs> <laughs> right like it's clearly a kids film and i'm assuming kids still like it right it's what a, what a superhero film like it is a very nine late 90s superhero movie right 100 percent, and it's, it's it comes in a weird stretch for joel schumacher as well if you look at the films that kind of like sandwich his uh his batman films are crazy it's like falling down batman forever a time to kill batman and robin 
eight millimeter. It's like total tonal shifts throughout. Uh, I always I forget that eight millimeter was after that. Yeah, because I kind of <laughs> I kind of just along with a lot of people, and uh, apologize, Joel, if you're listening to this. I kind of assumed that after Batman uh, and Robin, they just kind of stopped letting you do films. <laughs> but he's done a full, he did a fuckload of good stuff. Like, um, Phone Booth. I forgot Phone yeah. Booth was him. Not so much some of the other stuff. Um, the number 23 with uh, getting back mm-hmm. with the Riddler. Trespass. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Daryl and Petros' ears are pricked up. A, a re-team with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, his, his last film. Unfortunately, Joel Schumacher has passed. Um, of course, passed, yeah. passed in 2020. So, so yeah. So, um, we never get to see the the trio of films he could have made with Cage. And we're still yet to see the Joel Schumacher cut of 8mm, which apparently is absolutely filthy. Well, he wanted <laughs> to... Oh, fuck, what was it called? Batman Triumphant, maybe? Yeah. Like his, uh, the planned Batman and Robin sequel, where the rumors were Nicolas Cage as Scarecrow, which that's the thing. Yes, Batman please. and Robin may be may be turds, but give give me Nicolas Cage as as, as the Scarecrow, please. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but like I said, so the thing with Batman Forever is we dive straight into Two Face being Two Face, but we don't. Because Harvey Dent was a character in Tim Burton's Batman. Mm. I knew Harvey Dent was in Batman. I knew Harvey Dent was in Batman Forever, but I always assumed, like, I thought there was like it was like an official reboot territory. But it's not. So if you view it as a sequel, it means that Tommy Lee Jones took over from... To be fair, another guy who sounds like he's got a Welsh name. <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Yes. Billy D. Williams, who is famously Lando from The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and whatever that last one was called. And two, famously black. <laughs> like, this is... It's so fucking weird. Like, the yes. reasoning behind it is Billy D. Williams... There was no contract. This was kind of pre the days of people signing up for nine or ten superhero movies on the yeah. bounce, right? Like, so he was just signed up for the one. There was an idea that the villain in Batman Returns was going to be Two-Face. But then they spun that character. That character ended up changing so much that they just made it into a new guy, which was uh, Mac- Max-, Max Shrek. Max Shrek, yeah. I thought it was that, but then I just couldn't... Ian, you're just going to say Shrek, as if Shrek is a Batman thing. But, yeah, it's just the the Christian Walk, uh, Chris, Christopher Walken character. Yeah, yeah, get out of my schwa. <laughs> I would... That is, that, is, that is a role that I would happily see Christopher Walken do. Yeah, I'm like an onion. I got layers. But, yeah, Billy D. fucking Williams... It's like, it's it's what are we play like what are we playing at? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like like they 
And they clearly hoped we wouldn't notice because they would hope people wouldn't view this as a continuation of the other ones. But Has Billy D. Williams ever said anything about this? Um, so Billy D. Williams has been quite, I think, diplomatic with it. Of He has just pointed to the fact he wasn't under contract. There was no actual real obligation to do it. The, the, the thing of note is Billy D. Williams did go on to play Two-Face. Oh. Do you know where? The animated series? Lego Batman. Amazing. So Two Face, Two Face in the Lego Batman movie is voiced by Billy D. Williams, which is brilliant. That is that is spectacular. And then his likeness, at least, appeared in there was a Batman eighty nine. So they did a Batman sixty six comic and a Batman eighty nine comic, which was like set in the world, um, whatever. But they they properly just honed back in on. 1989's Batman. So I think there was also like uh in the Batman 66 one they did like a really campy version of Bane, which is just incredible. But it's just so fucking weird cuz like I get I get a character like an, an actor not being under contract anymore, you don't have the obligation to do it. But like there's a lot wrong <laughs> with going from <laughs> Billy D. Williams to Tommy Lee Jones. And that's no slight on Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, I think, was, you know, a lot of fun with it. But fucking hell, guys, if you've introduced the character, at least cast it as a black dude. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think some of that comes to, like, just the inherent racism within Hollywood and just the, the reliance on money and bankable stars, mm. right? That, like... Billy D. Williams' star may have waned, and it's like, well, we're not going to sell a movie off the back of Billy D. Williams, so we're going to get Tommy Lee Jones. He's he's hot shit at the moment. We'll just get him and just, I don't know, <laughs> just insult the intelligence of the audience to be like, this is a continuation. There's enough kind of like, um, do you know what I mean, characters and actors who have who have carried on throughout the series. That, even though Batman himself has changed. So so I guess they thought, if you're going to believe this, you'll believe anything. Yeah, it was like, then I... I, th- I... I was going to say I don't have a time machine, but I was alive when all of these films came out. So, like, I'm assuming what happened was, like you said, for, like, bankability and money reasons, Batman Forever was connected to Batman and Batman Returns so that people would go to watch Batman Forever. Yes. Then Batman and Robin happened and they tried to cut those films away from Tim Burton's Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, I think that's kind of the order it happened. Like, they were just like, nope, nope, this is now doing more, you know, like like excising a tumour, right? Like, it was just like, nope, these are separate things. They're they're completely different now. Completely different. Which means it wasn't racist everything's fine but yeah it was it's just such a weird and like i said i literally learned this while researching because i always thought batman forever was like official reboot territory but if anything it's like retroactive reboot territory which doesn't count when we're being pedantic and making (laughs) lists my next choice is colonel james rody rhodes from the entire MCU, but specifically the change from Iron Man to Iron Man 2, where it changed from Terrence Howard to John, to Don Cheat, 
John Cheadle? Don. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Uh, um, and I looked into the background of this, and it doesn't sound great. It's not great. I think I think I side on the, the, the side of Terence Howard, not that Don Cheadle is a bad guy in this, because he has come out and said, I took the role once it was open it wasn't a choice between yeah. terence howard or don cheadle didn't he get not 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 to not to jump in your bit or anything but did you hear about how he got offered the role no so it's, it's come out recently i was i was gonna i was actually gonna mention <laughs> mention it in my last uh naturally came onto it it was like oh wait no i can't i can't pre-road he was at like his nephew's birthday party <laughs> got call from his agent saying right they want you as, you know, like War Machine. Um, they also want you to sign a 10-movie deal. And wow. Don Cheadle was obviously like, right, I have to think about this. Like, what, I'm at my nephew's party. And they were like, oh, okay, oh that's fine, that's fine. You have an hour. <laughs> so and not not just the role, but until like a man... I, I'm pulling that number out of the air, but it was, it was your classic Marvel length at that time, right? Like, they were locking them down. Yeah. So with... With Terence Howard, he had gone from the first film being paid $4.5 million. Um, and he has gone on record to say that, like, it was him who kind of vouched for Robert Downey Jr. for the role as Iron Man. It's kind of said, like, got, got him on. Like, I think he was one of the higher paid actors on that film. This would have been the time that Robert Downey Jr. was very much like. Is he gonna be a bankable star? Being, like we're taking it, being paid afterwards for insurance reasons. Time, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're 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 unsure how this is gonna go. Like, is this gonna tank it? Who knows? This is the MCU before the MCU, really. And when it came to striking a deal for Iron Man two, they said to Terrence Howard. Yeah, we're going to cut your fee to a million dollars and then proceeded to say, like, continued to say, like, we can make this film with or without you. And it, um, he, 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 he has gone on record to say that the money that he was paid was basically put into the paycheck of Robert Downey Jr. Mm. And when he went to call him about it, Robert Downey Jr. didn't respond to his call for three months. Fucking hell. <laughs> I I didn't know that. My, my, the way I remember it, and the way it was, I think, obviously pitched as this for a very specific reason from people, was he was asking for more money than Robert Downey Jr. so they fired him. That was like the narrative that was doing the rounds. Which is mental. Right, that would be mental, mm -hmm. but also Robert Downey Jr. famously in like Avengers basically threatened to go on strike unless they made people's pay fair. So you can't have it both yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think this was a desperate time for Robert Downey Jr. Where he's like, I don't know if I can, how many of these I can do before they pull the plug. That do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. guess when you're on top of the mountain, you can look down and be like. All these people are being paid unfairly, but when you're on your way up the mountain, you're just kind of cutting well, the rope so nobody can come up behind not, you. Not even that, because at the time, you weren't even sure it was a mountain. 
Like yes. ba- back in the long, long ago where we weren't sure if Marvel would be able to actually, you know, they were just coming out of bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> they were coming <laughs> off a of bankruptcy where they had to sell the rights of all of their characters. <laughs> like hindsight's great and everything, but nobody saw this happening. Yeah. Right? Like it yeah. is, it has cha- seismically changed how studios make films. And what is great with Terrence Howard is in interviews, he has kind of said, I'm really happy with that choice because he went on to start a, a like a diamond mining company or like a a diamond growing company in South Carolina. And is kind of like, I I guess making sustainable diamonds or sustainable jewels. And it's like, um, when he talks about Robert, he's asked about Robert Addy Jr. He said, like, are you cool? He seems like a man of God. So he's like, got, got God's handling him. It's going to be fine. And he, he's talked about like, there is no beef between him and Don Cheadle. But it just, yeah, I don't think, and I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I feel, and we're yet to see the kind of fruits of it, but the character of Colonel James Rhodes kind of gets a bit of short shrift within within the mcu like don cheadle feels massively underutilized for what a great actor he well, is yeah i mean like that that's the the headline right don cheadle's an incredible actor but yeah war machine in the mcu is basically a plot point yeah. right like he gets he gets injured which makes captain america want to do stuff he tells people yeah. where like the treasure is or whatever like he's the one pointing the other characters to places yeah. He's a side quest character. <laughs> he's an NPC in a side quest. Yeah, that is exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what War Machine is. Yeah, if this was like an, if this, if there was like a Marvel RPG, do you know what I mean? You'd yeah, clock in with him every so often and be like, oh, go, go this way. I'm yeah, Don right. Don Cheadle's <laughs> the guy who tells you he needs you to collect eight pink donuts. Right, <laughs> like that one where where your character, you're a quest away from like. You know, Thanos is currently hovering over New York City, but instead of dealing with that, you're doing the side quests where you like start a band. Yeah, or, uh, I, I, I want to do this 100, percent and I know that if I uh, if if I do the Thanos mission, it may wipe out all of this stuff and take us to take us off world, and I, I want to complete all the stuff on world first. I was going to do it, but then it came up with a thing saying I can't do this area again if I do it. <laughs> so, yeah, Rody, with respect, I know I have to go and save the world, but where can I find pieces of this drum kit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's a fascinating one because it is like that Matt Damon sliding doors thing that I guess like that there could be a part of Terence Howard as much as he kind of says in interviews that he's happy with his decision that like. He could have been a part of this cinematic behemoth. But then, I guess for a lot of people, it really does, and we see it a lot, it writes them out of doing interesting movies. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because, like, your top-tier Avengers, you know, the ones who are set centre point, sure, a lot of their years taken up, but they they get paid to do the other shit as well. Uh, don't like you forget about don't you forget about it's not worth the time if you're a casting director really trying to fit don chi because again like he's a side character but he's involved in fucking everything 
So yeah. he wouldn't have a lot of. He must be doing a Marvel movie a year. Yeah, or like, a, or like showing up in one of the TV series. I would say the one great thing that Don Cheadle was like. Well, he's probably done a lot of great things, but the one that sticks out to me in his kind of Marvel tenure, he's on a fantastic show called Black Monday. I'm not oh, sure if I, you ever I saw, saw that, that no. the Showtime show. It's all about the kind of stock market crash. It stars him, Andrew Reynolds, Regina Hall, oh, cool. and Paul Shear, and is absolutely fantastic. He kind of plays a a, a coke addled stockbroker just as the like the, the the yeah the 1980s stock market crash is happening i know he's in he does a voice in so i think it's the new series from one of the guys behind archer amazing so it's um don Cheadle plays the commander and uh matthew mcconaughey voices agent elvis presley Oh yeah, that's just that's yeah. just arrived on Netflix. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, Jason yeah, yeah. Manzoukas plays Howard Hughes, and like it just looks fucking mental. Uh, and um, <laughs> Kate, Caitlin Olsen is in it as well, who's another one who I feel, <laughs> unfortunately, when you're tied to a very successful one thing, sometimes you don't get to break out of it. But she's one who definitely deserves to be more than the the answer to the question: Did you know? Rob McElhenney's wife is in Always Sunny as well, which is is unfair, but I am guilty of saying that all the fucking time. But, oh, do you know who's voicing Priscilla Presley in Agent Elvis? I have no idea. Priscilla Presley. Amazing. Yeah, I knew she had involvement with the show. Yeah, I thought... I knew she had involvement. Fair fucking play, but... Back to Don, sorry, by, via Elvis, but back to Don. Oh, yeah, it's always good to go back to Don via Elvis. Yeah, uh, yeah I just I just, I just, just think this is a fascinating one because of the whole, like, as I said, that sliding doors thing. And Don Cheadle is great in the role. It's just, though, between those two movies, it is a kind of, like, and the, the, the characters played vastly differently mm. between them as well. Like, it would have been fascinating to see Terrence Howard's, like, portrayal, which seems like a bit more broody, moody, and darker than we get with... I think I think this is the first one of our choices as well, where there's a throwaway joke about it. Mm. Because I think at the beginning of Iron Man 2, he asks if he's had a new haircut or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a very (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, hey... Hey, you're looking a bit different, buddy. You, you put on weight. You lost a bit of weight. <laughs> hey. That was my impression of um, he- Henry, Henry Winkler as Danny Zuko. <laughs> hey, hey. Summer loving. Summer hey. loving. Hey. <laughs> Have me a blast. Yeah, I mean, we. I think we also, before before we, we scoot on to my final choice, there were two choices we could have picked from the MCU. And I think everyone who saw this title knew one of them would be picked. But Ed Norton evolving into Mark Ruffalo is yeah. is the other which... big one as well. Which my understanding, and I haven't again, this is given that I got my my Terence Howard into Don Cheadle information was wrong. But I believe the general the consensus with the Ed Norton thing is Ed Norton doesn't play well with others. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wanted final cut on that movie was kind of really hard work yeah. which not not what you want in a film a film series which is all about like cross-pollination well and 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 
Mark Ruffalo's kind of perfect casting. Oh yeah, that. and it's yeah. kind of it, it. It worked out for the better. I think. I think so. Like, I think that one worked, but also he's used better, which is the big issue with Don, with Don Cheadle, right? Yeah. Fuckers. Final choice. My final choice. Anyway, so we're going to uh, TV for this one, and this is fits into a couple of categories that we've talked about. So. This is a back, like not a background character, but a side character, and this is also mm-hmm. our first one who was recast twice. Oh yes, please. So, in the run of this series, he was played by three separate people, and I think people forget that because he <laughs> didn't really come into his own until uh, season four, where he became a bit of a meme. But uh. I'll go through the actors who who played him and see if people can figure out who I'm talking about. So in season one, this character was played by the seven foot tall Conan Stevens. So Conan Stevens was uh, a member of Mensa, um, an Australian heavyweight wrestling champion, a former soldier, and possibly the only pro wrestling champion who concurrently worked in ballet. Season two, he was then played by the seven foot one Ian White, who also played one, two, three, four, five other characters in this TV series, and also played a predator in Alien vs. Predator Requiem, the last engineer in Prometheus, and he was in The Northman. And also in The Northman was the guy who played this character in season four to eight, the relatively tiny six foot nine (laughs) (laughs) Hathor Bjornsson. So I am talking about the mountain. So um, uh, Clegane in uh, game the uh, Game of Thrones series. Um, Rika, yeah, three different actors played him, which is insane. And I just think people assumed they won't remember. It's Fantasyland, right? You can like it's uh, Fantasyland. He wears he wears armor. He's a tall bearded guy. It's they dragons. Come on, <laughs> dragons and shit, mate. Like it's yeah, I this surprised me to be fair. So Ian White also played One One the Giant, Dongo the Giant, the Giant White. So I feel like he's been typecast a bit, and also White Walker and White Walker One. Amazing. Well, I yeah, I I have um, despite what I may have said in the past, I've never actually seen Game of Thrones. It's it's worth it. It, it, it's I, I, I know it gets short shrift for how it finished. I remember which, somebody asking me when season five was starting, oh, when are you going to get on Game of Thrones? It's amazing. And I, I, said, I said to them, I've been burnt too many times in the past of TV series. I might just wait for this one to end and then find out, <laughs> find out if I'm going to watch it or not. Because there's nothing worse than dedicating six seasons of your life to be served up a big old platter of Dexter. Do you know what I mean? That's fun. <sighs> I, knew, I knew that sentence was going to finish with Dexter and it still didn't make it hurt any less. Because <laughs> that, again, similar. Like, the Dexter finale was so bad, people forget how good season... Like, season four of Dexter is one of the best yes. seasons of TV ever made. John Lithgow, the Trinity Killer, it's fucking insane. And then they ended it like that. Yeah. Someone should go to prison for that. <laughs> but Game of Thrones is is an interesting one as well because there's multiple kind of 
shifting of actors, right? Throughout it. Ed Scrine was replaced. Yeah, so Ed Ed Scrine's the other like big one. So Ed Scrine was probably the biggest mm-hmm. because he was actually a main character and they recast him with a bearded dude. Um Michael Huseman? Guy Guy from Bless Orphan you. Black, which was another <laughs> thanks. Which was another great TV series. But Ed Scrine apparently um thought the Game of Thrones bubble would burst and wanted to get off it early. Wow. Which uh, hasn't aged well, but a lot of time for Ed Scrape. Yeah. He was on um, a Discretion Pieces episode, and he's a lot more interesting than I ever gave him credit yeah. for. Scrine like wine, not... Sc- yes! Yeah. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> got got me into uh, Koj Radical, that uh, Discretion Pieces episode. Amazing. Because Ed Scrine knows a lot about rap and hip-hop. <laughs> Which, as you do. But Hathor Bjornsson, um, so I, I feel like I could I could spoil this. It's very famous. Most famous for his scene where he fights Pedro Pascal. Uh-huh. And that's kind of where everyone remembers the character. But I think people forget that character had already been in the fucking show. <laughs> Hathor Bjornsson is, he could only be described as historically massive. So he is the only man in recorded history to have both squatted a thousand pounds while also being able to deadlift a thousand one hundred pounds. So that is five hundred and one kilos and four hundred and sixty kilos. It's insane. Is it what a- it's insanity? He's also broken a thousand year Viking strongman record by carrying a thirty-two foot 1,433-pound log for five steps, which comes from an old story of a guy called Orm Storfsen, who apparently walked three steps with this, like, is a ship's mast, basically. Um, And the story is he walked three steps and then his spine snapped in half. And that's something people tried to do again. (laughs) Are we sure that this man... Is of this planet, or is of this... I don't... He's from Iceland. Oh, the, 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 the cards are off the table, then. He's from Iceland. Yeah. He's a, we don't know what's going on in them Nordic countries. They've got great... They've got, they, they treat their people well, and they've, they've got something in the water there. There's something in that icy cold water that makes them superhuman, apparently. It's just just protein. <laughs> volcanic volcanic protein sounds like something we could 100% sell on like the Joe Rogan podcast. 100%, yeah. Because get, get, get. It, it's, it's because of the, the heat and the fossils that get burnt up in a volcano that it helps the enzymes metabolize into the muscle fiber. Yeah, you know like how people have a stick of charcoal in their bottle of water? Yeah, you could have a bit of volcanic rock in 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 your in your in your jug as you're carrying yeah. around East London, sipping it, going, "I'm just full of these enzymes, oh, man." It's great. I'm great. I'm, I'm slowly dying, but I'm, I'm great. Yeah, yeah. I'm burning up from the inside. It's still hot. It's still <laughs> hot. It's like you got to get shipped in in a kind of titanium case uh, because uh, that's that's the muscle growing that heat. That sense of heat and destruction within you. That's what it is. It's good. You just got to keep pushing through it. Um, but obviously, when you buy it, you have to sign a disclaimer. So we're fine. We're covered. Um, I did more research on this choice on strongman stuff because strongman stuff sounds mental. Because <laughs> everything sounds like a child who you're calling out on their bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, like, a child will go, like, Oh, I'm, 
I'm a strong man. I'm a strong man. It's like, all right, all right, all right, little Hathor. What what do you do then? It's like, uh, I do uh, the circus squat, the barrel squat, the super yoke, power stairs, Thor's hammer hold. This was an interesting one. Conan's wheel of pain. Apparently, Hathor Bjornsson holds a record in that. What is that? That sounds like a. That sounds like it could be a sex act as well. That could be a disgusting sex act. I'm suddenly very aware my dad listens to this podcast. So it could well be. It is, and so it's at the Arnie, Arnold Strongman Classic thing they do every year, and it is designed off of, you know, in like one of the Conan films mm-hmm. where there's the giant wheel the slaves push around. Yes. And I think it ends with Arnie doing it himself. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> are there people? So they, are there people on it? Uh, so it's just so each strong man basically has to make a full rotation of it as quickly as they can. Amazing. So they watched something and thought, "No slaves look like they're having a good time. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to bring this to my strong man show." But it's uh, he pulled a pulled a plane for 25 meters. A Basque circle, another one. To be fair, a lot of these sound like they could be sex things, don't they? <laughs> a Basque circle, yeah. A Basque circle, that sounds like hammer hold. A She's Basque, into the old super yoke. A Basque circle sounds like a kind of like Nordic name for a bukkake. <laughs> yeah, one of those sex acts that no one has ever actually done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing of the thing of myth and legend, like like like, like our man uh, Bjorn. So a Basque circle. <laughs> looks to be so there's a, a sim, similar to conan's wheel of pain so there's a central point then there's like a bucket full of heavy shit and then a handle so you have to lift it up and then walk around the circle or it's a sex act yeah circus barbell squat barrel squat it's all it's all crazy but yeah for such an iconic character like mm. given that he is again like the the fight scene with Pedro Pascal is one of like the things from Game of Thrones that e- even if you haven't seen it, you're aware of yeah. and have probably seen. <laughs> and people will forget that this guy has been played by two other characters in that show. It's insane. It's it like uh, for a character to have a name like The Mountain as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's got a definite article at the beginning of his name. So like, for, for, it feels it, what was going on what was going on in ireland when they were making these were making this show like do you know what I mean like what yeah like, is, is there any re- reason why he was recast so many times the, the character or just kind of so i i think for season one and season two i think they just needed tall people okay like and and then when he became so the big centerpiece of season four was this brutal, like, single combat thing. I think they realised, ah, actually, we don't need just tall now. We also need fucking shredded. Yeah. <laughs> like, you need, yeah, you need someone who looks strong. And I don't think, Ian White is definitely tall, but he doesn't look strong. And then I think Conan Stevens, like, he was a wrestler, but yeah, I, I just think H- Hathor... Hathor also comes with free marketing, right? Because yeah. he's the he at the time. I think he was also the quote unquote strongest man on in the world. So it's a big thing, I think, to be able to push that as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I imagine like the the numbers in Iceland would have shot up as well, right? 
all the kind of Nordic yeah. territories. They'll be like, oh, I've not been sure about this Game of Thrones. It's like, half is in it. Yes, please. I'm tuning yes. in. Yeah. Come on. Cause if, cause if I, yeah, cause if I don't and I'm Icelandic, I probably know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't want to be on that Conan's will next time he's lucking Perfect. it about town. Unless it's Michelle Pfeiffer pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like it, it's, uh, it's fucking mental. He was also in the most disappointing boxing match of all time. Because uh, Hathor has beef with British strongman Eddie Hall. Amazing. And they had a boxing fight and it was fucking boring. Was it boring because it ended quickly? Or was it boring because both of them were not good at boxing? It was boring because of the, the, the latter. They weren't bad, but the problem is Eddie Hall, though very, very strong, is not six foot nine. Uh-huh. Like he's not he's not a little dude, but he's not six foot nine. Like so he was like leaning back as far as he could while trying to kind of punch him. And it was just it's just comical. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously it was billed as like the biggest heavy you know, the biggest heavyweight fight, because the, they're both massive. The heaviest but, heavyweight fight. Yeah. But yeah, that was a weird a weird moment in time. But yeah, so final choice. The mountain. Or as you correctly said, a mountain. A mountain. <laughs> One of the mountains. A mountain. <laughs> My final choice to kind of loop things back round to, to to something we talked about earlier. We're we're back on TV, like with your with your number one pick. And we are talking about Aunt Viv from the seminal sitcom from the nineties. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And we're talking about the changing from Janet Hubert Witten to Daphne Maxwell Reed, which happened after the third season, so the fourth and fourth, fifth and sixth season of the show. Yeah, we changed to Daphne Maxwell Reed. Um do you know anything about this, Ian? Have you kind of have you done a tertiary look at all? It's one you... of those things so when i mentioned this subject to um my partner this was one of the ones that she brought up as well but it's like i know all i know is that like it something wasn't handled great like it wasn't it wasn't amicable (laughs) like shit went down people were hurt people hated each other for a long time like that level of shit yeah so i i I believe that Will Smith and Janet Hubert Witten didn't reconnect until the 30-year anniversary of the show, which was screened on HBO. <laughs> but some of the things that were said about her at the time, or like since, Will Smith had said, I can say straight up that Janet Hubert wanted the show to be the Auntie Viv of Bel Air show, because I know she is going to to the yeah to dog me in the press she was uh, yeah she was after oh no she'd basically gone from a quarter of a million dollars to nothing she's mad now but she's been mad all along she once said i've been in this business 10 years and this snotty nose punk comes along and gets a show no matter what to her i'm the antichrist so Fucking it sounds hell. like tensions were high um Will Smith's co-star, um, the actor who played uh, Colton, so I think it's 
Alfonso long... Ribeiro. Alfonso Ribeiro in his in, in his comedy special uh, referred to her as <laughs> in very unfavorable uh, terms. Uh, yeah, said. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, that bitch was crazy. She went nuts. There were days where we were all on set and she would literally go off on people and it got to the point by the time the second season came around where we were like, this is unacceptable. So it sounds like a case of she really just wasn't gelling with the fact that you got Will Smith, who up until this point was what? like a yeah, like a, a pe- like a really friendly, family friendly rapper gets his TV show, and I imagine he's on he's on the top bucks. Whilst you've got people who have been sweating and working their asses off in TV for years and movies, and they're kind of playing second fiddle to this guy. But it sounds like she handled it terribly. I think I think it, it sounds like nobody handled this particularly well, right? Because yeah. I think she also, I think she may have had. I'm not sure what it was, but there were, there was personal life shit as well that I think she may have been like bringing to work. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think those were handled well. I don't think then anyone involved because, like you said, with the 30th anniversary, I think that was the first time they had spoken. Yeah. Since um, she left, and it's crazy because she was really funny. She like, was great. She was she was one of the better part. Like to be fair, it's a great fucking sitcom. Well, and th- that's the thing. She's the more memorable Aunt Viv to me. Hmm. Like when I think of Aunt Viv, I'm thinking of her. Yeah. I like. I'm not. I'm not thinking like as as, as great as kind of uh, Daphne Maxwell Reed was. I do think, yeah, I, 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 I do think of the the initial actress who played her because she was just, yeah, um, Janet Hubert, who was just, I don't know, fantastic. And, it, and it, I think it shows to the fact that sh- TVs and films, as fun as they look to us and as great as they look, sometimes that plays into like the fact of, oh, behind the scenes, it was terrible. And often when you hear about shows where it's like, we had so much fun making this or film. We had so much fun making this. It's like, yeah, but where is that fun on screen? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you look like you're having fun? Yeah, I'm looking at you, Anchorman 2. I bet you guys had a great time. Why wasn't I having a great time in the cinema? Because uh, I'm fairly sure that film was as long as they spent making it. Fuck me, Anchorman 2 was a long, a long fucking slog. And they've released, I remember, they've released a second version of that film, which was like a cut with alternate jokes. I've never heard of this been done before. And it's like, are you that confident in like your B material that you're going to release a film? Yeah. With the B gags as well. It's like, stick it on a DVD extra. We ain't having, we're not having that in a cinema. Come off. No, fucking hell. I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't a Fresh Prince movie. Now you've said, now we've mentioned movie and cinema. Yeah. Like it seemed ripe for a sin, especially as he was, you know, going from this into like mega stardom for a while, um, even if he wasn't in the Matrix. 
Well, weirdly, with Fresh Prince, it's really been playing on my mind recently because I recently saw a video. I'm not sure if you've seen these come up on like TikTok and Instagram, but it will be um, like clips from TV shows scored by like 90s Midwestern emo. So like very tappy kind of slidey guitar. And they'll kind of have this like really emotional tone to them. And there is a... they usually drop into it's the Lincoln Park song, isn't it? Is it what I've done? No, this is just like or these different just, ones. It's just people noodling on a guitar, yeah. but it'd be like, oh yes, no, I I, I have because it'll be like intro, and then it'll be people talking over the yeah 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 yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. a I lot of those, those bands like like American football and stuff like that. They would kind of have these clips or stuff that would sound like, do you know what I mean? Things off yeah. of like voicemails or something. It'd be like. That was the summer that she broke my heart, and I just couldn't get away from it. Like they, they do stuff like that. And there is a moment that from Fresh Prince that is used in one of these videos. I found myself crying that because it's when Will Smith is talking to Uncle Phil about his dad, and he goes into this. Yeah. Goes into the whole speech about like, you know what? I'm gonna get a good job. I'm gonna, gonna go to college, get a good job. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a wife, like a, a hot ass wife. I'm gonna have all these kids, and then right at the end, he goes, "Why doesn't he want me, man?" And I'm doing it. In, I'm doing it in a very like white, just because I'm in the Midwest emo, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, f- uh, yeah, phase <laughs> of thinking. But like that, that broke me. And like when, when, when we talked about doing this episode, I was like, "It's got to be on Viv," because I think that's the first time I ever noticed it as well. Mm kind of yeah. watching reruns on bbc2 in the kind of 90s to, to early 2000s be like what what is going on here like one thing one thing i do like about it is it so w- w- me and my partner have this thing with family guy right where you know if it's a good episode of family guy if it's square because that means it's an early episode, which were generally a lot better. As soon as the aspect ratio fills our TV, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to be a good one. It's the same with Fresh Prince. If you randomly turn an episode on and it's old Aunt Viv, yeah, I'm more likely to stick around and watch it. Yeah, which is which is like such a weird dichotomy. The fact that she was she was arguably yeah, obviously had her issues and stuff like that, but that was brought to the set and like people didn't get on and it couldn't work and obviously there was tension there and it's like the 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 actor who kind of came in and like came to the party line and everything those episodes aren't as great but that's probably more to do with a series in its latter season starts to wane anyway right Uh, especially when it's based on one big personality right mm-hmm. like I, I i think by its nature sitcoms like this generally do i strongly maintain that any sitcom that goes over with probably i think the sweet spot is usually four or five mm-hmm. it has to reinvent itself or do something different um it's what south park is very good at doing because whether you like the new stuff like the early stuff is obviously genius, but the new stuff is different enough that it feels fresh. Yeah. So, um, Parks and Recreation changed um, how they did things in the last series, which kept it fresh for how that was kind of going. You need to know when to leave. Yeah, and I think that's why we're kind of in the new golden age of TV because 
series are happy to do like do you know what this is just a limited series like this yeah. like, i think the prime example of this is damon lindelof started off on lost a show that had to meet the kind of old way of doing it every season had to be like 22 episodes do you know what I mean six seasons of that there's some duffers in that do you know what i mean and it's like there's well, it's filler you have to have filler there's right? filler whereas damon lindelof goes from that to the leftovers three seasons and done and then the last thing he's done on tv was watchman one and done one season and done it's like like he, he he's learned the lessons of what it could be we're kind of watching at the moment watching uh yeah we've got succession calling it a day yeah. at four seasons it's kind of like they th- maybe there is something great about the british model of like do you know what I mean there's there's three three short seasons and a christmas special like like if 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 a lot of american sitcoms took that approach that'd probably be great there are there are fantastic ones like i'm always amazed that it's always sunny in philadelphia just seems to get funnier and crazier and kind of maintain a level it kind of dips and but there's still great stuff in there but what always sunny did which is kind of similar to what you just said is they transitioned to 10 episode seasons yes which again you can't it (laughs) i don't think it would be as good if they had to keep churning out 20 plus um i can't remember that i thought it was good omens but it's not there was a show which had um a random episode of so generally they were like the episodes were anything between 55 and an hour 10 but then one of them was like 30 the oa because again maybe but it was just like it was a proper thing of that for me was when i noticed apparently i didn't notice the tv show because i can't remember what it fucking was but it was one of those that's when i noticed of like oh we've changed we're this is yeah this is new now people aren't even making shows to fit a slot anymore yeah you've got like the you've got the bear which was like oh we've got an episode that is just one continuous shot like we can't sustain this for yeah, the episodes are only like 25 minutes but this one's 19 minutes long because we don't need that extra time so why waste yeah. anyone's like time and effort and i think it's talking of like the 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 streaming model and it is yeah letting creatives just do what they need to do yeah to service the story which is which is great and like ted lasso a show that i know we're both fans of is they've always said we wrote a free season arc and that's what we're doing and it's like would that have been the case in in the past do you know what i mean oh like, god no well i mean look at scrubs yeah <laughs> you know ted ted lasso came out of scrubs but yeah we never never would have but i think people have especially with because people also aren't writing these to be um fuck what's the because the goal for a sitcom used to be to hit 100 episodes because then you would be syndicated syndicated yeah and that's where the real that's where the real money was but now it's Ted Lasso doesn't need 100 episodes because they're already reaping it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're getting that FIFA money. Do you know what I mean? They're getting yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's, uh, I think, we, we, we definitely feels like we're, uh, 
I think there's going to be a shift soon because we definitely had the golden age of streaming. And now I have something like six or seven different streaming services. Mm-hmm. Something's going to something's gonna fall out the bottom somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone kind of moved over to streaming with stuff because it was like, oh, like, we can do this now. Whereas now everyone's got their streaming platform. It's like, oh, this is not saving me the money it was. Like, it's like a Sky... Do you know what I mean Sky? You could watch lo- like all all your TV. Well, Sky, which is also now basically pushing itself as a streaming service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll say it's now TV, but like it's Sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Sky, but it comes with a TV. Yeah, it's it, it, it's bizarre. Yeah, we're going. I think I I think now it's weird that we've gone back to a, a weekly. Do you know what I mean even streaming's changed because stuff is coming out weekly again. And we're getting yeah, those. which I don't know about you, but I I have struggled to go back to that. I feel like it's a personal slight. It really depends because the shows the the shows that do it that I enjoy, um, are stuff like Succession and Yellow Jackets, mm. and they really warrant that because there's so much great tertiary content with that. Whether it's like kind of recap and and like analysis podcasts and stuff like that that I, I have so much fun with all of that kind of secondary material for those shows that I don't like, I, I, I like being, having those water cooler moments, even if it's just passively listening to a podcast and be like, yeah, yeah, that's a great theory or that's a great, like, yeah, that could happen in the next episode. I think certain shows it works for, like, I'll be honest, Ted Lasso, I watched the first two series binging. I'd kind of came late to the show and there's part of me it's like I could be quite happy to kind of ignore this series until it's done and then just kind of do it again in a binge as opposed to I think yeah sitcoms it kind of works a bit better I think big dramatic TV you kind of I don't know you you need that time to chew over what they're what the themes are and stuff like that a bit. Yeah, and also with big dramatic TV, like uh, Westworld is a good example of it. Of It's so complicated that, like, I under- I think I understand it more, but I remember it less when I, like, blitz it, right? Because it's like, I can get the references, but a week later I can't remember anything that's happened because I watched it all in the space of two days. Like... I'm done. I haven't had to mull anything over. I was immediately given as as big an answer as Westworld can give you anyway. 100%. Like, yeah, as I said with Succession and Yellow Jackets, like, their shows that have just dropped their, like, kind of newest seasons. And I'm mo- most likely going to watch both both kind of season premieres again before the next episode drops. I wouldn't do that if I was binging a show. Not in such a yeah. close close proximity do you know what I mean like uh, that I think that's the difference with that yeah. kind of model I, th- I think you're onto something here Graham <laughs> I think you're onto something okay so th- those were the choices yes so that brings us on to uh what we like to call the point of the podcast where we're going to talk through first of all our top three lists and then uh what the official podcast nobody asked for top three would be so out of mine i think i am just doing them in the order that i said to them so 
In three, I think I'm going to go uh, Evie O'Connell because one, as we discovered live in real time, I kind of understand why Rachel Vice wasn't. There. <laughs> um, but the issue there was they hopefully wouldn't notice by having the actress just do an impression of Rachel Vice. Number two, I think, I think I will go Harvey Dent just because. Again, they hoped we wouldn't notice by pretending it wasn't a sequel eventually. But also, again, like contractual stuff, I think Billy D. Williams eventually got to play the role in Lego. So, you know, we're okay. But also, like, that's not all right. That's not all right, Batman. That's not okay what you did there. Uh, and then number one, The Mountain, just because not only did they hope we wouldn't notice, I think a lot of people just didn't notice. <laughs> like, and... Even if you did notice one of the recasts, I don't think a lot of people realised the two. Yeah. So I would, for me, I would, I would slide that in at number one. Uh, what about uh, what about yours? What's the top three of your three? Yeah, I was, I was going to go same as you, just as I said them. Yeah. I think now as I'm kind of talking about it, I'm going to have to go free. In at free will be um, James James Rhodes, just because I re I really understand that. I really understand where Terence Howard came from, even though it is like, and the fact that it's acknowledged within the, yeah, the, 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 the franchise almost discounts it from this whole premise of this episode, because it is that they, they almost say to us, Oh, we know you noticed. We're Hoped we wouldn't care. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you just want, you just want your superhero content. Like have, have, have at it. Um, my number two, I just think because there's not enough on this to know the reasonings why it's going to have to be Rachel Dawes in the Dark Knight trilogy. Just because, yeah, I don't think we're ever, unless, I don't years to come we may get some concrete proof when parties involved are kind of like on their fuck you tour yeah. of like i'm just gonna lay out all the dirt <laughs> katie holmes on a deathbed like, it was Scientology, okay <laughs> it was them and then my number one yeah i just think for like personal reasons and the fact that it kind of was the first time and i really did notice it and is is aunt viv from the fresh prince of bel-air and just because and that that marked a kind of a shift in the show for me that like uh, it's kind of like you tried to pull the rug from under us but you did not succeed yeah it, it's uh i think they may have done a throwaway joke but it was definitely like they definitely hoped we wouldn't notice yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. they definitely hoped that we could just no, no no we're fine we're fine we're good we're good we're still going or they hoped going. we would never know until like years later until they started like blabbing their mouths that we wouldn't notice the kind of um the reasons behind it and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> I think I think that that's what it comes down to that one, isn't it? It's we wouldn't notice the reasons why all of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So for the official the podcast nobody asked for top three, what are we thinking? Um Aunt Viv, definitely agree with. I think this might come down to Batman. Because for me I think Aunt Viv and the Mountain are definitely in the top three. Yes. Just because again I think the mountain <laughs> recast twice which is two chances for people not to notice and aunt viv definitely like yeah holds a special a special you know spot in my heart yeah I, I, I think for any millennial it's gonna be it's aunt viv i, I i've struck out on the millennial vote here so i'm, I'm taking that i will i will put good money 
that when the picture for this comes out on Instagram and Twitter, the first response will be Aunt Viv. <laughs> like, because we, I follow, we follow a lot of millennials doing podcasts. Yes. <laughs> and it is Aunt Viv. It's Aunt, Aunt Viv. It is, um, well, Aunt Viv, and to be fair, one of the MCU ones, probably. So it is it is Harvey Dent or Rachel Dawes, I think, to come in at three. So it is this this is an interesting one. Because I think if we're going by the letter of the episode, Rachel Dawes fits this definition perfectly. Uh-huh. Because there is no Harvey Dent, I think, is like it is offensively worse. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is one of the worst yeah. like again like there's obviously a lot of aunt viv baggage shall we say but at least they didn't replace her with like kate blanchett or something yeah <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah did like, do, do, whitewash yeah like Har- harvey dent was um was fucking horrific but there is the arg you know there is like the little nagging doubt in the back of your head of it's a reboot though yeah, it's a re- is it a reboot? Is it a reboot? Yeah, it's Val, it's, it's reboot. Val Kilmer in the lead role. Do you know what I mean? We've kind of we're we're else welding it here. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's another think, comic I think, run. I think you can kind of like finagle that that as an answer. And I think Rachel Dawes, they definitely just hoped that I think that is the yeah. definition of they hoped we were, we're not gonna notice this. We're just if gonna, we don't we just won't evolve the character anymore, we'll get her through to when she leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then We'll uh, Billy D. Williams is busy again, so we've got to get Aaron Eckhart in. But still, yeah, I, th- I think we're onto something there. I will. Uh, I I I think Aunt Viv won as well. I I, I can't not have because um, obviously, as you know, we the first time a Will Smith project has hit number one of the list, which I think is important and a big part of you growing as a person. Thank you. So, I th- I think that's good. Okay, so the podcast nobody asked for's top three. Characters they recast and hope we wouldn't notice. In at three, we have Rachel Dawes in The Dark Knight. At number two, we have The Mountain from uh, Game of Thrones. And at number one, we have Aunt Viv in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So if you agreed with our choices, if there's any other uh, picks that you would have in your top three. You can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. You can also find us at Patreon, where you become a friend of the podcast and you can get swag like t shirts and mugs and all of that stuff. You can also find us on Twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four and the same name on Facebook. And wherever you're listening to this, if you're able to leave a review, uh, leave a review. And in your review, I said review too many times, uh, you can put any future ideas for any future lists and topics, and we'll make sure we do the best ones. So that is... That's the episode. That's the... That's another one in the bag for the illustrious history of the podcast nobody asked for, which is great. I don't think Scientology... Is affecting us. Wait, 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 wait. Ah! Hey, hang on. You're not Graham. Yeah, 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 yes, I am, Ian. What do you mean? I don't. You know, it's been, it's been stuck with me. It's been gnawing away at me. You're not, you're not Graham, are you? Um, no, I'm not. No. Uh. I don't. I, I know nothing about Watford. I know nothing about marketing. 
and I, I don't actually fantasize about Michelle Pfeiffer whipping my bum. You do though, don't you? Like the, the last, the last bit of that, I feel like is true. Yeah, <laughs> the Watford and marketing stuff, sure, that that's a grave specific thing. But I feel, I feel like the truth may have blurred into the role play there. But this, because this week, this week, listeners, the role of Graham Jones was played by Caged In Zone Petros. Uh, hello, thank you, thank you very much for letting me play the role of. Graham Jones, um, a man who I aspire to be. So it's it's good it's good to f- to feel what it is like to be a, a Watford supporting marketer. Uh, it's something I can I, I can only I can only aspire to attain. Yeah, can't we all? Can't we all? But where can where can our listeners find you, non Graham? <laughs> you can find me living in the walls of Graham's house as I've been doing uh, a full retcon of, of how he lives, what his, how he ticks, what he does. Or if you want to find me online, you can find me on all of the socials. So that is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd and TikTok all at Caged In Pod where you can get all of your good old cage goodness as well as plenty of Coppola family mishaps and masterpieces nice the full the full petros day lewis approach to that i like it i like it a lot Ugh, no one asked for this